afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Post-Christmas, hopefully everybody had an amazing Christmas holiday with friends and family, and for many it does continue as well. Lots to look at as we get ready to wrap up, and I hear a big sigh of relief of 2019, and we head towards 2020. And Jeff Peterson joins us here in studio with Heartland Farm Partners. And before we talk to Jeff, I need to remind folks that we're broadcasting today from the Nebraska Soybean Board Studio, which is brought to you by the Nebraska Soybean Farmers and their checkoff. So Merry Christmas a day late. You bet. Merry Christmas to you, too. It's a great time of the year. It is. It looks like some weather is moving in, so guys are going to be watching that from a livestock perspective. But they're also watching the calendar tick down. Let's get 2019 out of the way and start to focus on 2020. Yeah, it really is. It's, it's a really fun time of the year, Susan, because you get a chance to reflect back. And we always like to use this as a time to look back and, and kind of think about the market and how it traded and say, what could we learn from this past year that we can use going forward? And, and a lot of times the best way that I've learned to be able to kind of take a look at that is just kind of look through the year and how we've progressed. And believe it or not, back if we were sitting here talking a year ago, corn market for December futures, that had been December 19 back then, was setting at 398. Now, what's interesting about that, Susan, that's not much different than the 403 where we're at right now. So kind of a similar starting point. But as they say, the rest of the story yep. is that it, it hung around that $4 level all the way out till the end of February. And then from there, though, then it did start declining more rapidly down. And by the time we got out to the middle of May, we were down to about 363 and three quarters. So we had a pretty good pullback. Did that surprise you? You know, it, it, uh, thinking back on the year, um, not not a lot. I mean, it went lower than what I kind of had hoped at that point. And then if we think back at that point, then what happened is that it turned wet. And it turned wet <laughs> all across a big portion. Not only across the Dakotas, and but Nebraska, we were a little wet, but across Illinois, Indiana, Ohio, uh, Wisconsin, across parts of Missouri. And then the market took off and ran all the way up to 473. And then by the time we got back to the middle of September, though, we were back down to 352. And that little path higher from when we ran from 363 on up to really 473, what did it take? Well, it took almost 19 million acres of prevent plant. And so the reason we bring that up is the fact that we have to think about what that situation was. And in a little more detail is that when we started the year last year, the amount of stocks that it looked like we were going to have left over for the 2018 crop was about 1.78 billion bushels. Now, we're 1.91 this year. The big difference gets to be what did the year next year out look like. Back then, the 2019 crop looked like it could be uh, ending stocks of about 1.7 billion bushels. This year, depending on how the stocks go, it could be over 3 billion. So we've got a lot different situation, and we'll spend more time talking about that. But that's kind of what the corn market looked like this this last year, if we look back over the year. What about soybeans? Yeah, soybeans a little bit different. 943 is where we started off the year. That compares to 972 now. So beans are actually in a better position. Beans got all the way down to 816, though. And that was the middle of May. And then they, when we had the big run, they didn't run up as far. They got up to about 948. By the time we got to the middle of June, and then we settled back down to 851 by the time we got to September. Our bean situation actually looks a lot better on the stock side. A year ago, we were looking at 955 million bushels of ending stocks. And, and when we talk about the ending stocks, that's all, always total supply minus the total demand. And this year, we're setting much better, 475 million. 
But a couple additional things I want to throw in there to get us to think about. So as we think about the situation on the crops, in order for us to keep those stock numbers about the same or unchanged from a year ago, basically we need to reduce corn acres 3 million acres. Reduce corn 3 million, soybeans we need to add about 4 million acres. But the challenging part is all those prevent plant acres out there. And the ones that are still in the field as we look towards 2020 and the early spring harvest that'll that, happen. That's exactly right. So what are we seeing? You talk about some of the current things that are impacting as we look at corn first. What are some of the key things that you're seeing affecting us now as we get ready to move into the new year? Well, I think one of the things as we sit back and think about is there's definitely still going to be this discussion about acres and yields. Even though I, I think the acres are going to turn out very, very similar to where we probably were uh, I don't think there's going to be a lot of change on the acres. I'm not talking for next year. I'm talking about for the January report. Yield, I think we're going to bring yield down a little bit, maybe a couple bushels, but probably not enough to give us that big boost that we were hoping for. The other thing we have to realize is that the funds are still short. They're short about 100,000 contracts on the corn side, and they're short also probably 70,000, 75,000 on the bean side. So they're keeping some pressure on this market. Palm oil. Palm oil's definitely been giving us, it's on a three-year high move. And and the possible trade deal with China, it, it feels more like we're going to get a deal done there. And then on top of that, we've got the South American weather. So those are some of the items that we've got that we're, we're currently keeping an eye on. So is this short-lived, long-term? Well, so what I think right now and in, in the move that we're having in the markets right now is that I, I think we can get some more distance out of that. I think we can get some more movement out of that, depending on how these other factors unpack. But I think longer term, we have to be concerned. At a certain point, we're going to have to be ready to sell. And, and I'd say it's on this move that we're having here. So what we just talked about in those, in those four different things, do they have to be married to each other to have this turn out? Or are we going to start to see if South American weather, for example, goes south, that'll have a bigger effect on the corn and the beans? Yeah, great, great question. And so what, what ends up happening here is that, no, they can break themselves apart. I mean, the South American weather situation is actually getting to where it's actually probably a little bit uh, more negative on the price now. If you take a look at the only real area that we probably have where there's some real dryness coming in is maybe the very northeast corner of Brazil. But actually, Argentina is a lot better than it was before. And, uh, and it looks like the rain forecast we have going forward looks better. And now we got rains go, or, excuse me, fires taking place in Chile. Yeah, exactly. Lots to look at. We've got a lot more to come up as well as we continue this post-Christmas Fontenelle Final Bell. Jeff Peterson is joining us. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about the trade deal. We'll talk more about palm oil. That's something we usually don't have a discussion about. So stick around for that. More is coming up. It's the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. Zero. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Network. I'm Susan Littlefield as Jeff Peterson continues to talk talk to us and join us on the show let's talk about palm oil that's not something we usually have lengthy discussions on no we don't it's it's a you know we don't think about it mainly because here in the u.s we don't use a lot of it but it's in a lot of things it's it's actually and gets used in chapstick a, a lot of the ingredients that we have it shows up in lots of products the importance that it's really bringing this year though is that malaysia and indonesia are the two big countries that are responsible for probably combined probably over half on the way to three quarters the amount of palm oil and, and palm oil is a very important edible um, food oil in many, many countries. We don't use it so much here in the U.S. for that, right. but in other countries it definitely is. And what's, what's happening here is because, uh, believe it or not, that, that actually the nuts that are actually processed there are grown on trees. 
palm trees. Right. And and as a result of that, though, they're very you know influenced by what the weather conditions are. And actually, Malaysia and Indonesia have had some drier conditions this year. And as a result of that, their production is down. So that's what that's done is that's actually got palm oil up on some three-year highs, over three-year highs. So that's actually given us some support over in the soybean market. And the main reason, not only from the reduction in the production, but also because China, when they aren't crushing as many soybeans, they need edible oils. So palm oil is coming into play. And also in, in Malaysia and Indonesia that they're incorporating some more of that into the biodiesel. So it's a combination effect. So that's actually spilling over and giving the soybeans some additional strength that a lot of times we don't necessarily ever see. Hate to see how the negative affects the positive. I know, but it happens all the time, doesn't it, in our markets? Well, speaking of negative affecting the positives, China, now the president, right before Christmas, said that they were going to have a signing ceremony. No date as to when, but is it just a lot of uh, cheek talk at this point? Um, I think it's beyond that. I think we're getting actually to a point, I, I do think, and, and I've been actually you know, pretty uh, conservative on the talks all along, but I do think we, we will get a deal done here. We've, we've got it in the phase in which the text is being evaluated. And as a result of that, I think we will come up with a date. The earliest it looks like we could probably have right now would be the middle of January. So, no, I think, I think it will happen. Um, I think it probably happens in the United States versus over in China. Where in the U.S., I mean, it's anyone's guess. But I, we're at least getting closer. So do we flip a coin, USMCA or China? Which will happen first? Well, I'd sure hope that we have a shot. Uh, well, that's a great question, Susan. Um, with with everything that's going on with the impeachment and stuff, honestly, maybe we'll get a signing on the Chinese trade deal before we actually get the USMCA is kind of what it maybe looks like right now. South America, they've had uh, dry pockets. They've had wet pockets. Uh, Chile included in that. We don't usually talk about a lot of crops grown in Chile, but their growing conditions are just like our growing conditions here in the Midwest, and they've had some massive fires as well. So... They're having some frustration with their growing year. Yeah, they are. You know, the biggest thing is we look at South America, it covers such a big area. It was whether mm-hmm. we're talking about Brazil and Argentina and, as you mentioned, other countries. The biggest thing that we're probably looking at is that we think the weather right now is such that down the road we think we'll start seeing some higher production estimates come out. So we don't think yields have been hurt. The thing that's probably, as you look at in particular, probably um, Brazil in particular, I think we've got certain pockets in there where the soybean crop went in later, so that safrina corn that's going to follow it up, that's not going to get planted later. That also means that's going to be available for export a little later, and as a result of that, that could be good for our export demand down the road. So right now, I would say overall South American production probably isn't helping us at all at this point. Are we going to be in the same boat we were last year where we didn't hear a lot about South America? It's almost like they kept it very tight to the hip not wanting us to know how production was coming along. Yeah, it did, it did seem like that last year. I, I think uh, this year, I think it's probably, production's probably going to be okay, is what it sure looks like here. So I, I don't think, unless there's a big surprise that comes up down the road, I, I think we're going to have a little bit different situation. I think we'll be okay down there this year. Well, we are less than a week away from 2020, which seems hard to believe. But what are some thoughts when it comes to marketing corn and soybeans going into this new year? And it seems like we say this every year as we get ready to look into the new year. I I think this is going to be a hard year to market crops. The reason I think is that ultimately I think we're going to have to sell earlier than what we normally have to sell. And and my main main reason for that, Susan, actually comes back to the fact that we've got this, you know, 19 million acres of prevent plant or just about 18.6. We know that not all of that is going to go into corn and beans, but there's probably about 16 million of it that will. 
And as a result of that, the big challenge we run into is that how much of that is going to go prevent plan again. We know that will happen up in the Dakotas and parts of Minnesota, but what, what amount of acres are actually going to switch over? And as a result of that, as we start factoring some of those numbers in, that's where I'd mentioned earlier, if, if we end up factoring in a 7 or 8 million acre increase in corn, that pretty soon looks and takes our carryout ending stocks over 3 billion bushels. And if we take that all the way out till the to harvest this fall, what that looks like is sub $3 corn. So I think it's going to be really important that we sell aggressively at some point on this move that we're having here. Are you guys factoring in or even looking at the fact that the National Weather Service has come out and said this spring could be just as wet as what 2019 was? That's actually one of those factors we're going to have to look at very closely as we go in. It's definitely uh, not the things we want to see with these producers. It definitely is not. What's the best way to reach you? Give me a call at 402-366-4694 or check us out on the web at heartlandfarmpartners.com. Just remember, commodity futures and options involve substantial risk of loss are not suitable for all investors. That's the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network.